Welcome to On the Bench. We got the squad at full strength today. I'm your host, Josh Newberg. I got Chris Nee, Brendan Sinone, and Zach Blostein with us for this episode. Uh, we're going to discuss recruiting, some hoops, Knowles in the NFL, and preview Wednesday's National Signing Day. How's everybody doing on this cold Monday morning? Good. Looking forward to that National Signing Day preview Uh-oh. segment. It's it could have been a, a pod by itself, Brendan, okay? <laughs> second pod yo you know what would been really funny is if we started a pod on yeah. it and like this is a national Sunday preview show and then played the music ended it and that was the show that would be mean no it'd be like, like it would get a lot of people get talking about it yeah they'd be talking about it it's not a knock on fsu they've gotten mostly who they've like they, they've they're recruiting on a different cycle this year that's how you want to put it uh chris how you doing <laughs> i'm fantastic i'm not going to talk as much as brendan Okay. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Well, let's get started in Tallahassee. There was a relatively small group of 2023, 2024 visitors this weekend. Um, Chris and Brendan, you guys were there. Let's discuss with Chris, um, who were some of the big names in Tallahassee this weekend on campus? Well, they had guys each day. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday's the last day. You could have kids on campus before the dead period began. So Friday, they roll out. There's a group from Arkansas that comes in. The most significant name to know in that group was Trey Hawley, five foot seven running back, kind of built similar to Jalen Glover, if we're comparing them to somebody. A couple of locals were in that group, Kenneth Kelly and Rico Watkins. Kenneth Kelly is a kid that I think Zach will talk about when he talks about seven on seven, because I know he went down there and he performed pretty well. FSU 2024 commitment, Jordan Pride from Bluntstown was another one that came in on the 28th. Uh, He ended up actually going to Georgia later in the weekend. So that's sort of something to keep an eye on. But he's pretty firm commitment. Came in with some friends, did a photo shoot, met with the coaches, watched some of Tour of Duty. I think that's the main reason he came in for a visit was to check out a little bit of that. And then wide receiver Chris Culler actually got offered on Friday. He also came in on Friday. He did some of Tour of Duty on Friday. And then he was also here into Saturday and actually showed up back again on Sunday morning. So that kind of recaps Friday. Saturday was moving day, if we want to mm-hmm. use that term. I'd say there was roughly, I haven't had a hard count, but maybe about two dozen kids that came in. 16 of those, I would say, are guys at FSU is truly involved with. The other ones were stragglers and those types that come with others. Uh, some of the names, running back I, Isaiah Gustave. He's been here before. He's got an offer. He's a Naples running back. He's somebody that I know Coach Yak likes. They've had a lot of involvement. Wide receiver Chris Culliver was already mentioned on Friday. He's a kid that earned an offer from North Carolina. Another back was Jalen Johnson. Uh, Quarterback Jaden Davis, number one player in the 2024 class, came in. Got a ton of attention. Tony Tokars and Mike Norvell were attached at the hip with him when he showed up. Tokars never left the side of his hip. Mm -hmm. He met Charlie Ward. He met Jordan Travis. Uh, He got a kind of no BS straightforward kind of visit where they went whiteboard. They talked about video. They talked about what he can get better at. They dived into it. He's a military background kid. I think FSU had an excellent approach to that visit in the sense of he's not a kid that it's glitz and glam and highlights and all that. It's more about how are you going to make me better? How are you going to allow me to be a kid who is considered at this stage of his career, the best player in the country for his class. Another player who they were attached at the hip with when he showed up was T.J. Searcy, defensive end from Thomaston, Georgia, Ups and Lee High School. This was Searcy's third visit. He made a couple last summer. He came in again with family who's been with him on previous visits. John Papuchas, Mike Norvell, greet him in the parking lot. J.P.'s attached to him the whole visit. 
Seriously, he's like a six foot three and a half, six foot four kid. Looks apart completely, 250 pounds. Good film. He's a guy that FSC's done a really good job of building a strong bond with early on. Uh, some others I would mention, uh, safety, defensive back, recent offer, Alpharetta, Georgia Milton product. Robert Billings came in. He's another guy that Mike Norvell went out of his way to greet when he arrived. Uh, Jaden Jones from North Fort Myers is a five foot 11, buck 50, kind of thin, but very electric wide receiver type in the 2024 class. He came in with his mother. He was offered during the visit, spent a great deal of time with Ron Dugan, who was back around after uh, being a little sick and being a little down. He did get back on the road last week, but he was back full effect this past weekend as far as dealing with recruits. And then we can't talk about the weekend, not talk about Camden Fryer. Uh, Camden Fryer, very familiar last name for Florida State fans. Son of Matt, uncle is Todd, two great Seminoles from some of the greatest years in FSU history. Camden Fryer is a 2024 athlete wide receiver from Live Oak, Florida, Sewanee High School. He comes in. He had actually committed on Friday. He made it public on Saturday. The minute he got out of that car, him and Mike Norvell gave each other a massive hug. He walked through that door, and I think every single FSU football staff member, top to bottom on the list, and I'm not just talking about on-field coaches, were there cheering, celebrating it, doing a little war chant, getting after it. It was abundantly clear that, one, he's a guy they absolutely love and value a great deal, but it was it's just different. Um, you know, we, we've seen how a guy like a Searcy or a Davis get a great deal of attention, and FSU does a very good job of making kids feel welcomed and emphatic that they're there but in this case it was just different with Fryer that it was you know a whole different level and then he comes out talks afterward Brendan talked to him so I'll let Brendan dive into that but he committed and then Sunday they still had a few I don't want to call them stragglers but a few others come in uh, Randy Pittman tight end commitment came in says he's still 100% committed to the Seminoles Yon Pierre, who's a pretty talented defensive end from Alabama how big was how big was Pittman I know there's been some questions on that I think he told me 6'2", 230. I put it in the article. I believe it was 6'2", 230. I, I, I think those are legitimate measurements. Nice. Um, FSU had gone to see him play hoops twice here in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Mike Norvell went to one. Chris Thompson went to the other. Thompson may have been with Norvell. I'm not 100% sure. When the head coach shows up, nobody cares about the assistant. Um, but, uh, yeah, FSU loves him. Tight end, H-back type. He's an athletic kid, a big kid, catches it well, can do a lot of things. He's used in a lot of ways by Mosley. So I think he's one of those who will be comfortable being a little bit of a jackknife for FSU. Uh, Yonze Pierre, Patrick Screws, those are teammates from Alabama. Pierre is a defensive end prospect, pretty highly regarded. He felt like, uh, well, this is my reading of the interview we did with him and speaking to him. It felt like a kid coming to a school that's on his list to check it off his list in the sense of just learning about it, gaining knowledge, and then maybe coming back to it down the road. But it didn't feel like one of these visits where he was – blown away or wowed or anything of that sort. A couple others that were in, I mentioned that Chris Colliver came back through. Uh, there were three panhandle kids. Pittman was one of those. Jaden Shepard, who's from Niceville, Florida, also came in, as did a, a young man from Pensacola Catholic, whose okay. name is escaping me at the second, but I'll come back to. And then Braden Marshall is a Central Florida cornerback who came in from Lake Brantley High School. That's a school that Mike Norvell and the staff had made their way through in the last couple of weeks. He does not yet have an offer, but he's actually a very good-looking kid physically, the way he's put together, height, whatnot. The video is not bad. I think he's one of those they definitely want to evaluate, maybe even get up for like a camp or just watch in the spring. So that kind of walks you through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right. I got – from now on when we um, 
talk about 2023 visitors. I think there's four ways to categorize the visitors that come on campus each weekend, starting from lowest interest to highest interest. You have at the lowest tier, you have came with the guy we're recruiting. Like that's yeah. all you got to say. The straggler. Yeah. Uh, and the I, next I, level. I, I love good tier talk. Keep keep going. Lay it on me. The next level is a guy we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Braden Marshall, who I just mentioned. Jayden Moving Shepherd above the fold, Niceville. you have he's an offer guy. Yeah. And there were several of those, uh, you know, the kid they offered, uh, Nunu, uh, whose actual name is Jaden Jones. He's one of those that I would say falls into that category. And then you take it to the top level and you have attached it, the hip guy. Yeah. And that's seriously Fryer, Jaden Davis, Jeremiah Anglin, who I didn't mention that's Derwin James. So to simplify things moving forward, let's just say, you know, oh yeah, Jaden Davis came in. He's an attached to the hip guy. Um, CRC came in right now. He's an offer guy, but we could see him being attached to the hip guy down the road. Yeah, I, I would say there were roughly six to eight attached to the hip guys this weekend. A couple that could definitely gravitate in that direction. Jemaine Buxton's another one who I didn't mention. Odell Higgins immediately went and greeted him. Defensive tackle from New Orleans that came through. He's another one that probably falls in that category. Right. All right. So I want to open this up to you guys that were on campus this weekend or yeah. What do you, what do you make of Chris Culliver's three-day visit? It, sh- what should we take from that? I, I think it was a kid from North Carolina. If you're making that kind of commitment to a trip, you dedicate yourself to it. I think there is legitimate interest. Um, he's a kid whose recruitment is soaring at this time, really picking up a lot of steam. Ohio State's an excellent offer. If you're a wide receiver and you're waiting in an Ohio State offer these days, that's a significant one to point to on the list. Um, I think there's a – I don't know how deep the relationship is, but I think Chuck Cantor is someone who either is familiar with the head coach or at least has built a bond there because I know he dealt with him a great deal on Friday and again on Sunday when he came through. Saturday was more his time with Ron Dugans. Um, I didn't make too much of it in the sense of like, oh, he's on the verge of committing. I think it was more – I want to take a truly deep dive. Got to see tour of duty. That was only a Friday thing. Saturday was more the recruiting visit, the learning about school, the academics, all of that stuff. And then Sunday was like a comeback by a couple last conversations. Thanks for having me. Got to hit the road and get home. All right. Well, let's go to another guy we're trying to keep an eye on. And that's Brendan Sinone. Sinone was on the bench. Um, you got a, a glimpse into what, what day was it? Saturday recruiting, Brendan? Yeah. Yes. Saturday. And um, you were there. What was the high point of your your afternoon? Oh, um, watching the hoops game in the freezing cold uh, on the TV on my phone, just watching it, enjoying that, knowing the knowing what was happening to Chris Nee in that moment, the pain that he was feeling, the as bitter was, cold. Yeah, pain. as I was as I was bitter and cold myself, it was like a little bit of uh, shot and Freud or Freud and shot or whatever it is, knowing that Chris was feeling some of that too. All right. So you were able to interview Camden Fryer exiting. Um, we had heard that there were some rumblings that he may have committed or was going to going to commit. You had the story ready to go by the uh, before he even exited the building. Did you know the moment he walked out the door? Was there that look on his face of I no, just couldn't? There was it. That was the best part. Is even the story I had ready to go, Josh. I had it like the anecdote that Chris gave of like him arriving and the the big uh, welcome the coaches had. And my story, I was like, you know, he had this big welcome, and then a few hours later he was committed. Well, as we're talking to Camden, and he showed up at around halftime. So most recruits, for context, went to the basketball game. 
Uh, Camden left with his family at halftime, which is probably a good idea in hindsight. (laughs) I wish I could (laughs) have. So he was around with his family and kind of wrapping things up and they left kind of before kind of before the madness when everyone else got back from the game and everyone's leaving within like a 20 minute window, they kind of left on their own time. So myself and, uh, and Austin over at war champ pulled him to the side, asked if we could talk for a few minutes and just ask general questions, how it's going. He kept saying, this was so special. And this was like, this was really important for me to be here. Uh, but there wasn't all this fanfare around him. And, and so Austin's asking his questions. I'm like, this kid committed, like he's committed already. Like that's what happened. You could just tell the way he was saying it. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey man, like people are going to want to know. And I know that's just early to be asking a 2024 kid if you're committed, but, but have you made a decision? He was like, yeah, I, uh, I made it on Friday evening. Actually, I, I wanted to make the decision before I came here. So yeah, we, we were all kind of caught off guard of the timeline of it. We were expecting him to leave there potentially committed. Right. But, but we weren't expecting him to have arrived committed. So that was cool. But I thought that made a lot of sense because the way he explained it, and I think this speaks to kind of his family's character, his maturity and, and what FSU hopes are getting in, in Camden is that he didn't want the visit to be about the quote unquote commitment. He wanted the visit to be about, this is my new home. Let me get to know everyone. And he talked about that. There was coaches that he had never interacted with before that he got to spend extensive time with, or at least some time with on Saturday. So he didn't want all the fanfare. And and I think that the cool introduction of getting there with Mike Norvell and everyone clapping for him was really emotional. His dad, mm-hmm. Matt did cry uh, during that. Oh, wow. us know. Yeah. I got a little teary eyed. So, um, so yeah, it was cool, but ultimately they just wanted this to be kind of a business trip and be like, okay, this is our new home. Let's get to know people and, and start kind of you know, establishing roots here. And so he had mom, dad, little brother, and I think a friend of little brother came with them too. The friend is a big basketball fan. And I think that's part of the reason he was able to take along was to go to the hoops game with them. Um, another note on him, baseball kid too, from what I understand, FSU baseball does like him. He's communicated in the past, I believe with Mike Metcalf a good bit. So he's going to be welcomed over there if he wants to play over there as well. He, he said, Chris, that he will play baseball here at Florida State. He wasn't able to talk to any of the coaches uh, on this visit because of the way the recruiting calendar works for Dead baseball players. For, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he intends to come back. And yeah, he, his intention right now is to play baseball and football at Florida so, State. But Run. for those wondering, Chris, is this yeah. a football edition or baseball edition? Oh, it's a football edition all the way. Um, FSU loves him on the football field. He he's a speedy kid. He catches it well. The genetics are there. He reminds you of the dad. Um, if you know anything about Matt Fryer, go put on the film. This one's a little bit skinnier and a little bit faster. Matt might not love me calling him a little bit skinnier than him, <laughs> but uh, he's good. He's an excellent football player. Talking to people at Suwanee in the past about him when FSU first got involved, first offered, uh, they love the kid. Like, there, I've never heard a bad word said about Camden Fryer by right. anybody that coaches them, plays with them, uh, has had them at like an event, like an Army Combine or I'm sorry, All American Ball Combine. I've never heard a bad word said about the kid. I I think that in dealing with him a little bit and knowing that family and knowing their history, that that's sort of the mo that they're extremely well rounded people. Religion's mm-hmm. at the center of them. Uh, very good athletes, love playing the game, and yeah. In Camden's case, I, I think the commitment can be credited a great deal to, obviously, Mike Norvell had a huge role in it, but Ron Dugans as well. Mm-hmm. That kid really likes Ron Dugans. Ron Dugans really likes him. Obviously, the family ties help with the Dugans relationship some, but Ron did an excellent job, and Brendan's going to chime in further on that. I would say that Ron Dugans really kind of won over 
uh, the Friar family by visiting a baseball practice of Camden's. Uh, he said that Ron Dugans was the first coach to extend Camden an offer, which meant a lot, but then for him to continue following through and to actually go out and, and see him on the road and, and go to a baseball practice, not a football practice, but baseball uh, really stuck out to them. So yeah, they, it, it sounds like they have a really good relationship and uh, Camden's going to bring Ron Dugan some some deer from some hunting trips, it sounds like. So they're really, really establishing a bond. Chris, does does Dugan's, I want to ask you, does Dugan's often wear the uh, the 90s jacket with the, the spear on the elbows? That was pretty badass. Well, I mean, this weekend was, for Tallahassee standards, pretty horrendously cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the gear we got to see this weekend, including what this fashionista was wearing, you just don't see very often, but yeah, Ron was rocking the pretty uh, solid leather jacket with the spears down the arm. I, I very much enjoyed that. I was taking in uh, Odell had the old school, almost sweaterish jacket thing going on. I was taking those in. I was enjoying them. Yeah. And then Mike always has FSU gear that you just can't find anywhere. <laughs> Most personalized FSU gear in the world. Imagine if we could get them to donate some of that and we could uh, auction it off. On OTB. NIL, NIL baby uh yeah the Dugan's jacket was badass it had the old logo on the back I, if Dugan's wore that every single weekend uh they would get a commitment from a wide receiver every visit I'm confident right. uh, also Ron Dugan's today is the last day of his contract uh let's see uh yeah sure, we're pretty confident he'll be working uh tomorrow yeah and and for those asking about an announcement I mean it's not like Florida State has to make an announcement for him to show up tomorrow. He could show right. up tomorrow. There's no announcement. And they make an announcement in a week um, on Wednesday, on Thursday. Or yeah, June. they could make it in June for all. I mean, yeah. t- typically contracts are released to us in the off season. There's heightened focus for this cycle for obvious reasons, I think, because of the the couple of the veteran coaches that are FSU guys having expiring contracts like at different times than others. But yeah, typically they don't let us know about contracts for months. It's just but nothing's changed. Works on our end over the last three or four weeks in terms of whether or not we expect him to return. I mean, that is right. a foregone conclusion to us, at least. I mean, we all feel very confident that Dugans is returning, but in an announcement, there's no set timetable yeah. for that. Doesn't More just addressing this for the people who are trying to read between lines, like when he was off the road or so, the people who right. are holding out hope and trying to find stuff that, that isn't there. We, we've heard, uh, not terms of the contract, but we got an idea of what like an extension would potentially look like. Not enough to the point where I think we're comfortable reporting Report it. it. But we know that we we know well enough that it's underway, that it's in the works, and that it's not really worth it for us to check to see if uh, it's happening because they'll just they're not going to let us know <laughs> until they want to let us know. So to get us a bit back on recruiting, real quick, Sinone, Culliver, you spoke to him as he departed. Anything on not when he departed, but when he left on Saturday. Hold on, I want to ask one more thing yeah. on Culliver. We know that they want to focus on four to wide receivers. This is something that we know. So, like, there's I'm a little FSU, bit confused on there's some FSU ties at the school, from what I understand. Is he an offer guy or is he an attached yeah, to the hip guy? Oh, he, uh, uh, he's he, pretty close to an attached at the hip guy. Okay, point. that's what I want to know. I think he <laughs> elevated to that this weekend. He went from Obviously, offer guy to, yeah, a, a quick ascension, quick. a quick ascension, Josh, and your tier system. It's important to know. So, this is important part of the visit uh breakdown he said that fsu is a dream school and you guys hear guys say this is a dream school that's a dream school (laughs) (laughs) i think zach just fell out of his chair but my man kiss my my man (laughs) jaron willis dream school there's a lot of uh, dream school kiss of death stuff but 
uh, my man like went on about like the 2013 championship team. He was talking about Jameis Winston. He was talking about Jalen Ramsey, LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, he then mentioned him. Yeah, he, he legitimately liked yeah, FSU when he fan. was younger. So yeah, there's something there. And FSU, to their credit, knowing that they took him to the, um, he called it a museum. It's not a museum, but it's basically this, like it's it's over the, the mad, yeah, the mad so area. It's where you get boosters to go before they go and sign. It's a cool experience that they've started under Michael Alford, where it's like you want people to get this like sensory overload of like all this cool, like giant video of FSU and old uh, highlights and whatnot. And at the very end, uh, you take a you take the spear and you throw it into the ground and it ignites some other uh, type of video. And he talked about that. He liked throwing the spear into the ground. So yeah, Corey Fuller posted a video actually of some of that experience. Oh, did he uh, really? I think yesterday. Okay. So if you want to go check it out, you can see a little bit there. It doesn't give you the all, all intensive version of it, but it gives you a preview of so, the preview. So yeah, he he did talk about. Uh, Culliver talked about wanting to come back in the spring and wanting to set up an official visit. So take that for what it's worth. He seemed like he really enjoyed himself and that he really likes FSU. And he mentioned Dugans. He mentioned Norvell. He, he likes the staff as well. Um, so, yeah. Oh, so do, a can we talk about foot- Corey Fuller and Kiwan Ratliff? Yeah, quick? we can later. Let, let's okay. tuck that in. Let me wrap up right. the re- weekend okay. real quick. And we'll do that before we go to Zach with a seven on talk. So real quick on a few other guys. We talked about Culliver a great deal. We talked about Jaden Davis. They did a great job there. We talked about a uh, little bit about Isaiah, Isaiah Agustave. Another running back I think it's worth mentioning is Jalen Johnson. He got a great deal of attention from Yak. The running back room, and this is kind of a consistent theme, there's a lot of guys that are kind of similar that I think they like a good bit. Like this week, I think they like Trey Hawley. I think they like Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. I, think they, I know they like Isaiah, Isaiah Agustave. But I couldn't tell you which one of those they love. Mm. But that, Keep that, that drum of, a little louder, Chris. Target, like I have no idea. Yeah, Richard Young is he realistic? I don't no, know. I mean Richard Young should be, but the realistic part is the issue there. Um, Jamian Buxton, the New Orleans defensive tackle who came through, he's actually from Huma, Louisiana, but he has ties to some of the guys in the New Orleans area who came in as well. He's a guy that Odell liked. He's a little bit shortish. I think he's about six one. But his film's good. They like him. He's a guy that I would definitely say is in the top six, eight defensive tackles that they're pursuing. TJ Searson, we spoke about a good bit. Uh, I feel like I'd be leaving us short if I did not talk about Jeremiah Anglin Jr., or as he's becoming known in the FSU circles, Derwin James's cousin. Uh, he loves FSU. They're clearly his number one school right now. Uh, he had talked about committing in August. I think it was August 10th on his birthday. Oh, it wouldn't shock me if he jumps ahead into timeline and does it sooner than that. He definitely is extremely high on FSU. He liked meeting Coach Woodson, dealing with him a lot. How good Cole is Hart- he? You know, I haven't sat down and watched this film, so I don't know. I, is he a take for FSU right now? I, I think he is, yes. Based on what we know? Yeah. The, the relationship with Odell is very strong there and very well established, in part because of Derwin and the mm-hmm. trust that Derwin had for Odell when he was here. Treated, he viewed for those who aren't don't know or I haven't published the article yet, but it will be up in a little while. Uh, Derwin viewed Odell as a father figure when he was at FSU, so um, he's passed that along to his cousin. It certainly holds weight. I think Mike Morvell and Marcus Woodson did an excellent job of furthering the bond of FSU with young man. He's been to a lot of games, never as a recruit, but just as a fan, an alumni, uh, family member type of thing. And he was attached to the hip territory for sure. Yes, definitely. No, I, I think he's wholeheartedly a take. He is one I need to sit down and actually watch the film on. I just haven't done that yet. Gotcha. 
So, but okay. I, I think that wraps up the three days and the guys that walked through the door. Um, yeah, it was your pretty standard weekend. A lot of academics, weight rooms, and position room stuff. Friday guys got tour of duty. Saturday guys got to check out a little bit of the basketball game. Sunday guys was a little bit more smaller group. So basically like 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. in and out. Let's go home and watch the NFL playoffs. And real quick, that there was a couple guys from Cartersville, uh, Trevor Lawrence's alma mater, North Georgia, that showed up too. Offensive linemen. Uh, it's pretty cool to have just giant offensive linemen in high school. Uh, Jonathan Klein, 6'4", 285, 2023 recruit. He's got the – Klein wasn't there. It wasn't Klein. It, was it wasn't Luke... Klein. It was no, Tolliver then. It was Luke Surratt, who's a center for them. Uh-huh. And Malachi Tolliver. Tolliver. Was Tolliver one. was Tolliver. one who was massive. 2024 kid. And he was massive. And he might be the best of, of that group. Uh, yeah, because also... I, I, I the only reason I knew it was a Klein is I actually reached out to Klein when I saw Carter's real kids and trying to assume... figure out who they were. And he's like, I'm not there, but my two teammates are. Okay, because so. Klein, they like a lot, too. And he's got the North Georgia starters pack of, like, App State, Charlotte, a couple other you know, good. Is he committed G5 to Vandy offers. already? Klein, uh, I think he might be. I don't think he was on our profile. Okay. He likes Vandy a lot. I know that. Yeah. So that's something they're trying to establish relationship with a, a pretty good school that uh, produces a lot of, of high-end college players. So they have them down there too this weekend. All right. Let's take it to Orlando where Zach Blostein was for the weekend. And he was attending the seven-on-seven pylon tournament that is held annually. It's usually the first big tournament in Florida. It's always in Orlando. Um, Zach, how was it besides cold? Yeah, it was freezing. Um, and it was pretty cold out there, but the wind was just constant. Mm -hmm. Uh, that made it way, way worse. Um, Was it a two day tournament? Yeah, it was two day. It was, I was there for most of Saturday and I didn't, I didn't get to go back on Sunday, but Mm -hmm. I was there for all of, uh, of Saturday's events and talked talked to all the recruits. Um, yeah, and there were several Florida State guys in town. I read some of your yeah. articles. You're starting to roll them out on Knowles 24-7. Uh, you want to talk about who stood out in in the FSU world? For sure. Um, Florida State actually had two commitments there uh, participating in the event. One was Vero Beach 2023 three-star wideout Trevius Jacobs and uh, Albany 2024 four-star running back Cam Davis. Um, as we know, like Dre Jacobs, uh, when he first committed to Florida state, it was largely in part, um, well, the offer was largely in part to his seven on seven performances over that mm-hmm. off season. He came to Florida state and dominated that seven on seven. And this tournament was no different. He even got on, on defense, uh, you know, for a few plays and, and made, made a difference there. So he was impressive. Once again, Cam Davis, I, you know, I thought he was super impressive coming out. He was Kind of like, uh, you know how when they have that back right next to it's, it's basically the running back in the seven on seven scheme. Um, he, he he comes out the flat and caught a bunch of balls and scored some touchdowns. So he was pretty pretty uh, impressive as well. Um, both those guys remain that they're you know solidly committed. Uh, a thing to note: Andrevis Jacobs did show up with UF gloves. Uh-oh. I don't know what, I don't know what to make of that, but um, yeah, I don't know. They were matching with his cleats, so um, I don't know if it was like a team thing, but not. It's just cold. Don't yeah. like that. Don't like that. Yeah. But I don't. Th- I don't even think he has a UF offer. But anyway, um, moving into some more wide receivers, there were a ton of guys there that FSU's after. Um, Jalen Brown, the five-star out of Miami Gulliver, uh, was in attendance and he dominated again for Miami Immortals. Uh, Florida State's in that recruitment. Um, you have a chance. A- to- did you talk to him? 
Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, well, I'll have an update, you know, later on this week uh, with, with quotes from him. But the general consensus is that he's really busy with track and seven on seven right now. So he told me he does not expect to take any visits in March. So it looks like Florida State will have to try and get him on campus in April. And that'll probably be like a spring game kind of visit. Um, so that I think that's when we'll see him kind of his recruitment start to heat up a little bit more. Um, but Michigan's in there. I think Notre Dame, Florida State, Miami, and a few others. Um, but Florida State's sitting well. They've got him on campus multiple times over the past year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be important for them to get him on campus this spring. Adam Hopkins out of Thomas County Central, really familiar name with Florida State fans. He was on campus just a few weekends ago for a visit with the staff and um, basically said Florida State was the school standing out for him. I still like where FSU stands. Obviously, long way to go, but – He's really talented. He was another guy that was a top performer for me. Um, he, he said on Saturday that he scored like 10 touchdowns. I believe that. Uh, he went up and caught some. He went, you know, had some long plays that he just outran the entire defense. So really impressive prospect. And I think Texas A&M is also involved out there, but he hasn't uh, also involved in his recruitment, but he hasn't had a chance recently to get out there. I know he's planning to, I think last weekend, but he wasn't able able to make it. So that's another school he wants to get to, but I expect him back on campus at FSU in March. Um, American Heritage wideout, uh, Santana Fleming, also a really popular name on our message boards, especially since his father is always, uh, you know, chiming in. Um, his, his dad grew up, you know, an FSU fan. I think Santana is in the same boat. Um, Four State's definitely super involved with him. I wrote a story on those 24-7, uh, actually to drop Saturday night because um, I thought it was pretty important. He locked in a visit uh, with Florida State for March 5th, which is looking like it's going to be their most talented uh, crop of visitors this offseason um, mm-hmm. thus far. And he said it's going to be an elite junior day and that the FSU staff has told them that there's going to be NFL alum, like FSU NFL alum, that are going to be in attendance to, I guess, be around the recruits and talk with them. Um, so that'll be definitely something to watch. Uh, you know, he, he's got a long way to go. I think he's planning to stretch his recruitment to distance, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a decision early. And then the last guy I would note out of the, the receiver group uh, that FSU is really involved with is Tallahassee Rickards wideout Keon Brown. Florida State was first to offer him a few weekends ago when he visited campus. Um, I think it was, what, the first weekend, Chris? Uh, of January. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. And Who is that? I'm sorry. Keon, Keon Brown out of Rickards. Uh, yeah, I believe it was first because I think he was at Louisville last weekend and then obviously at your event this weekend. Yeah. So he picked up an offer from Louisville. I'm pretty sure he also picked up a few others like Mississippi State, maybe in in, in Charlotte, I think. Um, so his recruitment started to pick up after FSU offered. He's legit. Um, I, I texted you guys in a group chat on Saturday that I thought he was a legit prospect. Um, Super quick release off the line. He goes up and catches the ball. Um, there's a clip, I think I retweeted it, of him just making the entire defense miss. Um, so he's super shifty, and he's got legit size, like 6'1", 6'2". So I think he's a guy that FSU should really, you know, uh, target in this class. Um, I was kind of, you know, questioning just because he had no offers and he's a local kid before um, that, that January visit, whether FSU should go all in on him. But after seeing him work in person i think uh he's a guy they should definitely um target and and pursue 
Um, another guy to note at the receiver position that is a long shot for Florida State, but did say he intends to visit is American Heritage five-star pass catcher Brandon Innes. Um, he said he's going to come for a visit to Tallahassee in March. You know, I'm not expecting FSU to land him, but um, it's, it never hurts to get a guy. You think it'll it, be the March 5 date? That's what it's sounding like. He didn't give a specific date, but I think that's that's the plan. Um, that makes sense because his teammate Santana Fleming is also going to be up on that date, mm-hmm. um, so that you know there could be like travel together. But yeah, he's he's an amazing wideout. I've been watching him ever since he was in eighth grade. Um, you know, he he actually grew up an FSU fan. His dad's a huge FSU fan, but due to the just inconsistency on the field for FSU and and the lack of production, yeah, no it's doubt. just. Yeah, it's, it's just probably not going to work out there. But um, I, I think USC is pretty involved and all the other big, big powers, Alabama, um, I think Oklahoma maybe, and, and Georgia. He's a former Oklahoma commit. Right. Um, speaking of a former commit, Cedric Baxter Jr., former FSU commit, he's really good. He was probably the top running back in attendance. Uh, he, he just looks like a million bucks now. Um, he says that FSU is still involved with him. He decommitted. Uh, if you guys remember in April of 2021, he, I think it was like right after the spring game. Um, he still, he says he still has a really good relationship with running backs coach, David Johnson. Um, but there are a bunch of schools involved with Baxter, including Alabama, USC, who he says he's going to go visit that first week of March. And then Florida and Clemson are also two other schools that are, uh, in there. Um, like with all these guys, it's going to be important for FSU to get him on, back on campus in the coming months, uh, especially when March opens up. Because that's what, when. But what's your feel for the Cedric Baxter recruitment? We were just talking about the running back board, and we don't really know who's at the top of it. Is Cedric Baxter a guy that's at the top of it, would you say? I mean, I don't know if I could say that he's a – like, because if we're seeing the top target, you're probably talking someone that's also genuinely interested in, in reciprocating interest. Uh, right. Okay, so you don't think that it's a uh, reciprocal thing right now? Fort State likes until him. He but... it, until he makes it back on campus, I don't think so. Um, but he's It's been a while for him. Or Was he on campus for one of the games this season? Didn't he come back for the Miami game? Either Miami or Notre Dame, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you might be right. But he, uh, you know, I... With all these recruits, I'm not the type of person that leads with like FSU questions. So I asked, what teams are involved with you right now? And for, he did mention Florida State to give him mm-hmm. credit. Um, but, you know, it just sounds like he's more, you know, interested in, in the other big name schools that are after him. But if FSU can get him back on campus, then, you know, I'll call him a top target for them. I don't know if they recruit the top tier running backs aggressively enough to remain in their recruitments. I agree. In the long, you know, in the long haul, when we talk about this, the cycle wearing on from the spring to the summer, if they're having a hard time now getting in there and getting these guys on campus, like a Cedric Baxter, Richard Young, top tier backs, I think it's going to be kind of more of the same of what we've seen at running back recruiting with Florida State when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, All right. Any other standouts anybody any major scoop who won the seven on seven uh south florida express won they beat miami immortals in the in the championship game yeah they were looking um, though yeah they, they had they had 
Parnell Tate, who's a really, really talented wideout, but just completely dominant. He's probably like, if there's like an alpha dog or whatever of the tournament, I don't know what they call it, but Parnell Tate was definitely that. He was a beast. Um, but he was, he was good during his junior football season. Uh, we saw a bunch of clips of AJ Duffy tossing it up to him and him going and getting, getting it and scoring some touchdowns. Um, there's two other guys I want to note. Trey Hawley, Chris mentioned him. He, he participated in the tournament with his Arkansas elite team. Um, kind of a smaller back, but FSU likes him. He had good things to say about FSU when I spoke to him. And it looks like he wants to make it back uh, for a visit in like March or April. Um, and then Gabe, Gabriel Harris. Mm. Uh, he's now at Valdosta. He was formerly at Thomas County Central, um, but he, he transferred over there. And formerly an FSU commitment at defensive end. Yeah, 6'4", 240-pound the end that was lining up at tight end and moving pretty well. Um, he's going to try to play some tight end for Valdosta this year, so trying to improve his mobility a little bit, but he, he looks good. Um, he says that FSU is still involved. It's FSU, UF, and Georgia. Um, but the three schools that I, you know, like I said, I, I kind of asked him who, who was talking with him the most, and that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, says he wants to get to those schools in March. So um, he's been kind of busy because I think he actually moved, like moved houses over closer to Valdosta. Um, and, and that's been, you know, taking up a lot of his time. This is his first, like the pylon tournament was his first time, like out of the house, out in another city in a, in a long while. So he's planning to pick up his recruitment with visits uh, starting in March once the dead period lifts. So I think we'll see him get, a, get back on FSU's campus and we'll see what they can do there. Hey, right. Zach, real quick, uh, Cam Davis, how'd he do? Yeah, Cam, yeah, I mentioned, or I talked a little bit about him earlier, but yeah, he was impressive, um, caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. Uh, I think I posted like two or three clips on Twitter of him him scoring some touchdowns. Um, just really impressive back for a 2024. Uh, he's fully built up. Um, like, yeah, I, I know our, our 247 guys are pretty impressed with him, watching him. Andrew Ivins was out there, Gabby Arudia. And, and a few others, and um, I think I think he impressed a lot, a lot of people. And he's already he's already ranked like a four star in, in a in our twenty twenty four you know early rankings on twenty four seven sports, a top fifty prospect. So yeah, I definitely for, I definitely see him living up to that billing. For clarity, nobody's a five star in twenty four yet. For example, Jaden Davis is number one, and he's a four star. So yeah, yeah, don't get ahead of yourselves, people. <laughs> All right, thanks, Zach, for the coverage out of. Orlando, um, let's switch gears right now and go to FSU hoops. A week ago at this time, we were really excited. Florida State was coming off of a great stretch. Um, <laughs> some road wins, some home wins, a little bit of everything, some optimism, some hope. Uh, but they kind of pooped their pants last week, Chris, against some mediocre ACC teams. And over the weekend, they lost to Virginia Tech at home. Was that the uh, final nail in the coffin for this hoops team when it comes to postseason aspirations? It uh, definitely does not help the cause. The uh, 75-61 loss at Georgia back on Wednesday was a tough one to swallow. It was an example of zone defense just puzzling this bunch, and they prepared for that. Um, I think the most disappointing thing about this last week is that it felt like what you expected the two teams to do to you, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, is what they did to you. So you presume the scouting report explained that, which – I have belief that it did for both both of the games. And for whatever reason, it just FSU did not combat it, did not compete well against it. 
Uh, Georgia Tech's a bad loss, but it's a road loss. You can live with those. Then you come home and you lay an egg against Virginia Tech. Uh, it was a tight game with about six to eight minutes left by the two-point game, and then Tech blew the doors off. The bigger issue is that Virginia Tech shot 18 for 25 from deep. In the history of mankind, no team should ever shoot 18 of 25 from deep against it. At some point, run through a guy. Change change what you're doing. Change your mm. approach. Make them uncomfortable. I thought FSU did a miserable job of adjusting against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech adjusted against FSU and killed them. But it, it was it was aggravating. I, I, I've not left many home games at FSU in the last five years as aggravated as I was after the B-Tech loss. Because you let two guys that are, you know, had never done what they did on Saturday, both scoring career highs, just shoot the ever-loving lights out on you. And you allowed that team to come in your place and kind of thrash you. And you can't have that. And it's a bad loss. They were, I believe, two and seven in the league coming into that game. So they're now three and seven. So FSU stacked up a heck of a lot of bad losses. South Carolina, those two, Syracuse is another one that's going to be on the docket there. That hurts them when they're trying to build that resume in a weak ACC. This isn't one of those years where the ACC is going to get, oh, seven, eight teams because it's the ACC Mm -hmm. and they deserve it. It's going to be more of a three or four bid league team, three or four team bid league. Um, Is FSU dead and buried? No. There are still games left. They can still compete for the top three or four in the league. They can still enter that discussion. But they made it a hell of a lot more difficult on themselves. I think I said on the basketball pod that I thought they would be a tournament team. I don't feel that way coming out of this past week. Mm. Those are two really bad losses. And beyond just the losses, you have Malik Osborne done for the season. That's your unquestioned leader and an excellent player on the court who fully understands the concepts of what they're trying to accomplish. So that's a massive loss in a lot of ways. And I don't think there's a guy who clearly steps into that void as a leader, which is an issue. I think they've got a bit of an identity crisis because of that, in fact. And then Naheem McLeod's going to play more, and McLeod scored a career high against VTech, and he's gotten better offensively around the room. But defensively, he's an issue for FSU. FSU's obsessed with switching everything. Naheem McLeod can't switch everything. They're a bad defensive team when Naheem McLeod is in the game and they're switching everything. They're going to have to go away from it. It's going to have to be a change in identity. It's something they have to do. To Leonard Hamilton's credit, he mentioned that in the postgame after VTech, that they're going to have to re-examine switching everything. But it's an issue. They're, they've got some concerns. Now, footnote on VTech, they were without Raekwon Evans, bereavement. Caleb Mills played very little because of the tonsillitis that also plagued him against Georgia Tech. Caleb Mills is the kind of guy capable of putting 20 to 25 in the bucket on any given night. He definitely is a major difference maker. Plugging him back in should help them significantly. They shouldn't feel like they're grinding it out quite as much offensively as they are right now. But they got some issues, and they've got some things they got to figure out. And usually they transform and figure it out, and they have enough young guys that guys are allowed to step up. But they're going to need Matthew Cleveland to be more consistent. They're going to need Jalen Worley to take that next step which I feel like I'm a broken record saying that at this point with Jalen Worley. There's things that have to happen for them to make a charge down the stretch and put themselves in position. Cause at this point they've put themselves somewhat behind the eight ball. Yeah. And uh, they've dug themselves a deep hole. We'll see if they can get out of it. What's up next for hoops. Uh, they're at Clemson and then they come back home. And I believe it's wake that they host this coming weekend. Again, two winnable games. Wake is a pretty good ball club this year. Forbes has done a really good job with that team. So they need to have a 2-0 and week. 
uh, you know, I, I think a loss of Clemson would be another one that kind of sours the resume. Clemson can bother you. They, I mean, Clemson gave Duke all they could handle the other night. Duke ended up winning, but it was a competitive game for 75% of it. Okay. We, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl as it pertains to Florida State. Yeah, three Seminoles in it. Auden Tate with the Bengals. Now Auden hasn't played this postseason. He got reactivated in the sense of being designated for return before the playoffs, but he has not been reactivated onto the active roster. Um, the possibility exists for that to happen, but I don't think it will, being he hasn't played in prior playoff games. So Auden will be a spectator for the Bengals, but, hey, you get a ring if you're part of the club, so good luck to him. And then the Rams obviously got Cam Akers, who – you know, miraculously returned from the Achilles tear in about five and a half months. Pretty unbelievable what he's done. He's been a key piece to their charge to the Super Bowl. And Jalen Ramsey, who, you know, is Jalen Ramsey. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to give us a hell of a great interview in the uh, Super Bowl media opportunities prior to the game. So those are the three Seminoles in the Super Bowl. No matter what, someone's guaranteed a ring from FSU. Good stuff. And just to – uh blow it out in this big edition of on the bench we're going to do a preview of national signing day saving the best for last um national signing day is going to come and go on wednesday and we don't expect florida state to sign anyone new um they currently have one 22 commitment in antavius woody out of alabama antavius woody is unlikely to receive an nli i know there's been reports out there um in FSU land saying that he is going to sign. I don't think so. I don't, he might have a ceremony and sign something. I don't know what it's going to be. If it, I don't think it's going to be an NLI. Woody's grades are borderline. And with the new rules that were in place, what, two years ago that we saw uh, with Manny Rogers class, Manny Rogers situation. What happens is if you sign a prospect, once you sign him, that scholarship is locked in for that calendar year. Um, meaning, if Woody was to not make it in in June, they'd be out of that scholarship. Um, instead, I think Florida State would rather reserve that spot, maybe for a transfer portal guy, and keep a, keep tabs on Woody. He doesn't have to sign an NLI on Wednesday to attend Florida State. If he's eligible by the time his senior year ends in a couple months, Woody can enroll at Florida State. Florida State's going to have a spot for him. If everything goes as planned, Woody will be at Florida State. This isn't a scenario where if he doesn't sign with FSU, he might go to another school. This is either Antavius Woody is either coming to Florida State or he's going to JUCO. We're probably not going to know anything on Friday, on Wednesday. Even if he signed an NLI on Wednesday, it doesn't mean that he's qualified. It, it has zero significance besides the fact that it locks in and holds a spot. But FSU is going to do that anyway for him. Um, I just don't expect him to get an NLI on Wednesday. So it, it's still up in the air. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be in this class. It just means that he's not signing on Wednesday. Yeah, I asked about him yesterday, somebody that would know, and they made it abundantly clear they still love him as a football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person in the academics is a matter of just making sure they're doing the right thing by him. Does it make right. sense? Even if he makes it by the skin of his teeth into FSU, is FSU the right thing for him academically in the sense of the regiment of college? You know, so there's some of that factored in. It goes beyond just a football decision. And this is not a surprise. No. When he committed 
in the comments section of his commitment story, we were talking about the fact that there's major concerns about his academics and he's, you know, a lot of his commitment is going to be dependent on his academics. And this was back in June. Yeah. So this was something that everybody was aware of for state was aware of. One of the reasons why they entered the spring with, or the, the fall with six or seven offensive line commitments is because this was, this was, I won't, I won't say expected, but this was on their radar. Yeah. And Alex Atkins has been by to see him in January. They've had conversations. Multiple Mike Norvell times. has been involved in those conversations. There's nobody involved in this who is being surprised or ambushed at the last minute. This is kind of a thoroughly thought out thing. And as Josh mentioned, whether or not he signs on Wednesday is kind of, it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of it. He can show up here next year if academically he can get here and it makes sense for all parties. No, he can show right? up in June. So, right. That's eligible. what I meant by next year, next yeah, yeah, yeah. athletic year. Right. So there's there's no chance for like someone to send him a some paperwork for him to send uh, sign an NLI. I mean, on somebody could, but I don't I, I don't think anybody's expecting that. It's not All on right. the radar. We've seen many c- ceremonies where players sign something. Nobody ever asks what they're signing. That's There's right. been times where players sign like a housing aid sheet that looks official, and you don't question it. It's the kid's moment. It's a ceremony, but there's ways to still celebrate this without so it will we be can use very... a recent example dante yes, anderson the... signing ceremony with daniel lyons daniel lyons has the fsu folder with the nli and it's clearly evident that that's what it is dante does not have said folder and the paper is different mm-hmm. and they're both here they're both enrolled one is definitely on scholarship and the other one from everything we've been told is a pwo who obviously has an opportunity at a scholarship down the line if it works out in the right way. Yeah. I've been at signing ceremonies where this is done and they're up on the stage and I've seen kids sign blank sheets of paper because nobody in the, in the crowd can tell what they're signing. I've seen kids sign blank sheets of paper before. So it will be key to see if let's say he does sign something on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. What does the press release from FSU say? If we go back and look at the Destin Hill here's the thing. Here's the thing. He never signed an NLI. Here's the thing. I don't think we need to get into the weeds on this kind of stuff. Oh, I want to get into the weeds. I know you do because you're a detail guy. I don't think that we need to because none of it really matters. Do you want to sit here and expose a kid that, you know, had his moment and we are the ones to rain on his parade to say that it's not really his moment? Here's the thing. If he's academically eligible in June, he'll be here. He'll be at FSU. If he's not, he'll go to JUCO. What Josh and is saying is when he's point. moving in, we'll talk about it then, right. which is where we're at with Destin Hill. We've I think the lesson. stuff with Dante Anderson got ridiculous in terms of people think? wanting to know and needing to know. I mean, just oh chill out. Let the kid have his moment. He's going to Florida State. Who cares? Just we leave have it alone. jumped the shark in the past. It feels like six months of people feeling like they need to know every single it's the, Step this minutia. I mean, if you think about when when the game's actually being played, and there, if there's eighty eight thousand people in Doak Campbell Stadium, how many people know about Dante Anderson's situation? How many people care about Antavius Woody? It's you're talking like point zero zero five percent, but it's the questions that we get like five times a day. I feel like I'm partially responsible for this with the whole you know walk on. You fixation. are. Yeah, yeah. I've, I warned I've, you about that in the beginning. I hate you. <laughs> that's the cold open cut it that's it all right uh anything else we want to talk about that's our signing day wrap up that's the schedule drops tonight 
yep. uh, 7 p.m. announcement. Me and uh, Brendan, I don't think Josh will be joining us for this I one. Might. He might. He might. It, okay. It's close to his bedtime. Yeah, that's we're gonna <laughs> shoot straight on the schedule and have a little discussion, probably 20, 30 minutes on YouTube and as a pod. So we'll be around for that right after yep. it drops around 7 p.m. Yep, we'll try to do it live and give our legit rapid review on it. Chris will have to post the schedule story first, but once that happens, we'll we'll be live and, and have some fun and talk about it and uh put in uh, predictions for the season that's like six months away that you guys will hold us to and if you know we're off by a game you'll say we massively overrated or underrated this team and misled you so i'm gonna sub part it it oh <laughs> it's an inside joke like maybe 10 people are getting that right now that's a good one chris and hey, no real Those quick real people. quick before we yeah. before before we go uh fsu did announce on friday the addition of a couple support mm. staff uh, off-field guys Corey fuller and kiwan ratliff uh let's see the titles for each of them, Fuller will be the director of football relations and Ratliff will be the assistant director of high school relations. For those of you who obviously know Corey Fuller, he is a Florida State alum, was a really good player here in the early 90s, was a longtime NFL defensive back, I think for about a decade or so, Minnesota Vikings, a couple other teams. And he's been a fixture here for uh, in the in the Big Bend panhandle area for, for high school football the last uh, several years. So, and also coached at FAMU. So someone who has a lot of experience in this region, and then Kiwan Ratliff, uh, a former UF player. I do like that FSU didn't mention Florida Gators in the press relief there, I don't think. Uh, but he is a former UF player, was most recently on UF staff. And really the tie for him is his uh, his seven-on-seven seven Central Florida area ties. So bringing two guys in with, with strong ties to different regions in the state. They were both around this weekend. Um, saw them both. Uh, in fact, Kiwan was talking to the young man from Lake Brantley on Sunday when he came in the building. Um, I'm sure there are some ties there with the Orlando area. So, yeah, they're they're hard at work. It's funny you bring up Vikings for Corey Fuller. I always think of them as a Cleveland Brown. I don't know why that is, but I do. Interesting. <laughs> All right. That should be it for the day. Any other final thoughts or can we can we get out of here? We'll see you do guys Do you later. want to talk about the GM role? Do you think you Chris re- really hates me? No, oh, I don't I'm, hate you. Deep down, he does, but not on the surface. Uh, he, the GM, he already said he hates me. Yeah, let's talk about the GM role. The GM role, I don't think that they're in a rush to fill that spot right now or, or make that decision from what I gathered over the weekend. I still think they're talking to some people. I think that it'll be done this spring, but I am i don't have the feeling that a hiring is imminent. Interesting. So the name that popped up on the message board this weekend, and I, I believe there's some smoke here. I'm not sure what the role capacity, but it's Derek, I'm going to say his name, Derek Ure, I believe it is, uh, from Oregon State. He's the director of player personnel. Uh, there's been a lot of Twitter activity for him that would indicate FSU, so that that's where that smoke is coming from. Uh, I do believe that he is someone who is on the move from Oregon State. Now, mm-hmm. where he ends up landing, if it is Florida State, I, we don't have that. We would report it if we knew that for sure at this point, but uh, it is a name to to keep an eye on. Okay, good. So we'll follow up on that. We'll continue to watch those developments. Brendan Sinone. Wait, Chris, Chris, is, Chris is waving his hand. Chris oh, is waving his hand. I'm just waving bye. Oh, okay. I thought you wanted something. Sorry. Bye. Bye, Chris. Bye.